Chapter 25 of Eight Keys to Eden by Mark Clifton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Dale Grothman. Across the universe, two billion years ago, from the mutually attracted vortices of twisted space, gases compelled by gravitational forces solidified to harden matter, forming a crust over a molten core. In the soupy atmosphere of metallic salts and gases, tortured and rent by electrical storms of incalculable fury, among the vibrating crystals, one formed that was aware, not in the sharp awareness of latter times, but at the first only ill-defined, perhaps no more than the awareness of acid chains of molecules that formed into non-crystalline viscid protoplasm on another planet across the universe no distinct line of cleavage where affinity to other chemicals left off and sentient selectivity began marked the distinction here as in that protoplasm as with its cousin across the universe the one-celled amoeba these crystals too were sensitive to light to heat to cold to food ill-defined but distinct already from the non-sentient crystals about them these life-forms grew through absorbing from the rich and soupy atmosphere those elements necessary to growth to branching to cleavage into new individuals what is awareness at what point even in protoplasmic life does it appear the amoeba avoids pain seeks food reproduces itself and blunders blindly through its environment in search of a condition more favorable to its continuance in the monotony of a purposeless existence most humans do no more than that must awareness too be defined in terms of consciousness of me and mine defined only by what me and mine can feel no a protoplasmic growth feeling awareness excluded all the possibilities of awareness in other kinds of growth because they were not part of me and mine therefore too inferior to no awareness each crystal structure has its own vibration characteristic and on that planet in time one special vibratory rate new awareness of self mutation here too gave added complexity to the structure and self-awareness took on that added growth of awareness of surroundings through eons of time the mutations brought by time awareness of self and surroundings grew into awareness of wider peripheries to sense their world its structure its nature another mutant leap and there was comprehension of other worlds of other stars theirs was a vibratory awareness directly akin to the vibrating fields of force which compose the material universe and the vibrations of fields of force can be altered to change their surroundings to a more suitable environment through vibration rates of things led surely to negation of distance to change from crystal form to fields of energy and back again combined with negation of distance they too spread out and out among the stars at first the question was enough but awareness is never still questions form in all the universe were they the only sentient thing did any cries but theirs rise to the stars seeking to know 
because of the nature of their being their search was unconcerned with the outer shape of things which could be changed by them at will but rather with the inner vibratory rate which would signal sentience awareness they found no more than unconscious interaction of forces water runs downhill without knowing what it does without the internal structure to provide the vibratory rate which would permit knowing for long eras they too were imprisoned within the confines of a me and mine envisioning and it took a major leap for them to conceive that other structures than the crystalline might have a form of awareness alien to their kind perhaps yet a kind which must be acknowledged for they found something at last in a viscid non-crystalline substance protoplasm on one distant planet this substance was already differentiated and specializing to a high degree from the simplest to the most complex of its organization there were degrees of awareness and in the most complex of these there was undeniable evidence of sentience outside of self joy unparalleled ecstasy recognition is not wisdom with the unwisdom of inexperience in communicating with an unlike thing not realizing that the values of their kind of awareness might not be the values of this differing kind they rushed in and with all their powers and forces a joyful rapturous pyrotechnical display of material manipulation to show this new life-form that they too were aware to communicate that the loneliness of one might now be softened by the presence of the other and man fell down to the ground and groveled his face in the dust his awareness was of the outer shapes of things his security in adapting himself to those shapes his certainties lay in the dependability of those shapes a rock was a rock but no the crystals were delighted that they had brought something which they could share with this new life form the rock could be a tree see and lo the rock was a tree and the people were sore afraid for that which had been certain and sure was no longer so this mountain wall which had formed an impassable barrier to migration into a new and richer valley was rent asunder so and beyond the new valley beckoned but the people huddled in their caves and dared not venture forth the vibrating entities no longer dependent upon their crystalline form withdrew to confer among themselves to one life-form awareness composed of the outer shape of things the relationship of those shapes security in the unchanging shape to the other life-form awareness composed of the inner vibration the relationships of those vibrations with outer shapes changed at will and therefore meaningless yet even this protoplasmic life must see the changing shapes of things the clouds that formed and disappeared the seeds that became root and stem and leaf and flower the infant that became man and man that decomposed as corpse surely this life-form must see an inner cause surely they must see that even the permanent rock changed slowly into dust that the eternal sea was restless never still 
that stars moved in the vault of heavens warmth changed to cold and night to day how did they account for changes in these outer forms if not by inner cause they changed the shape of things themselves these men the seed ground into meal the moving animal shot down with sticks or stones and stilled and changed to food the moving of smaller rocks erection of a dwelling made of poles and thatch to change environment for the man inside change then man knew why fear the greater change the easier one why tug and lift and strain to move the boulder from the path when all that was needed was to shift proportion in one tiny way rebalance the equation of relationship with one slight thought and lo the stone no longer barred the way too long ago lost in the distant past the crystals had forgotten their own once orientation of all things to me and mine forgot to credit it to man to lift the boulder with one's strength to serve a purpose was within the ken of man a thing that he could do to see it lifted moved without his strength bespoke a greater strength than his and purpose that he could not understand and man fell to his knees in fear and awe for man knew only one relationship to all things to conquer if he could and force acknowledgment of superior strength and purpose to kill if that acknowledgment was not given to survive by giving that acknowledgment to a stronger one than he man groveled in the dust the only pattern of survival that he knew when strength beyond his own was shown but even as he knelt to scheme a way that he and his might find ascendancy in future days the one invariable pattern persisting from the caveman dressed in furs to the diplomat in striped pants the only pattern possible while me and mine ascendance was the aim and goal to show another pattern then the crystal's aim ascendancy of me and mine was meaningless belonged to an order of awareness lower than intelligence that they might meet in partnership instruct them then no joy or purpose to conquering them no companionship in these disgusting grovelings show them the inner forces that control the outer shapes of things once crystals now divorced from hardened form the outer shape of things was no longer a consideration in their life but for this form of life still dependent for that life upon the maintenance of material form no doubt the shapes and forms of things were paramount to them well then show them the true relationship sketch out upon the sands the diagram of how the forces that control the shapes of things are interwoven interact before the kneeling man the kabbalistic diagrams took shape and lo a spring of water flowed from dry and barren stone but man saw only the shape of the diagram its kabbalistic lines and form a sacred thing a magic thing a sign that he might draw with a finger in the air or in the sand protection from the evil forces that surrounded him the sentient fields of force withdrew too soon too soon 
man was not ready for communication too soon too soon but man did not forget the memory lived on and fathers spoke to sons and made the outer forms of gestures drew the cabalistic signs and told of magic things and powers that these signs could do to some one diagram was shown a way to build a house of stone that better weathered the storms of earth the house of stone became a holy place a thing existing in its own right and not as was intended an example of one use to which this arrangement of forces could be put and to some other man another diagram was shown this time to slay an animal for food and men fought wars over these different symbols each side determined to make its symbol ascendant over the other deep within the asian land where contact had been made the memories lived on and some of the meaning of the diagrams beyond their outer shape had gained sway the racial memory persisted and in the later pleistocene epoch the knowledge of altering shapes through force of mind became a racial memory coalesced into cults of belief degenerated into forms and phrases but from generation to generation the memory was kept alive that once when the world was new the form of things was indeed changed by thought this holy man far away and long ago had pointed his finger at a tree and lo a beautiful nymph had stepped forward clad in jewels and coins to make him rich this hero climbed a mountain and a voice spoke unto him and proof of this were letters cut in stone well witnessed this divine one changed some water into wine and fed a multitude with five small loaves and fishes a kind of radiation of its own always the cults who sought the inner meanings formed within the asian land and spread outward through the world but out on the periphery and not exposed to the thought of inner meanings another cult took shape here concern was solely with the outer shape and size and weight and measurement of thing and how the size and shape and weight of one interacted with another the dravidian culture which grasped only the idea but not the method of how the inner vibration could change the outer shape receded and became submerged in the western cult that found a method in the measurement of shape and weight of things to make them change it was rabindranath centuries later who described the essential difference between the indian and the grecian civilization as that between a forest culture which had known no walls and a city culture where everything has limit and every inch must be mapped but perhaps also the greeks had never seen this tree changed into bird this cloud changed into flower not trapped by memories grown into tradition that must not die they hit upon an approach that a man could master for it was the greek beginnings which led to the oxford definition of how to make scientific inquiry into the properties of things inquiry into the properties at first the outer shapes and weights led inevitably straight back to vibrations all matter is merely a specific vibration of energy a range of vibrations feeling solid to the senses 
as a range of light vibrations translate into colors through the eye e equals mc squared it took man far he too began the exploration of the stars failure in their first attempt had brought a wisdom to the sentient fields of force this time they did not rush in with pyrotechnic displays to show the wondrous power they knew observing patiently through the centuries by now they knew man well they knew his weakness yet by making thing react with thing he'd proven his strength for here he was among the stars perhaps by now he might communicate perhaps by now he would not prostrate himself and grovel in the dust if someone said hello but careful perhaps he would there'd been a man by name galileo with the first crude telescope he'd made who first saw the rings of saturn but not as rings but rather in the planet's tilting he had seen a spot of light on either side and sometime later when he looked again the tilting of the planet back had made the rings edge on so they disappeared he never looked again nor told of what he'd seen for legend had it that the god Saturn periodically devoured his own children, and this phenomenon he'd seen, if it became widely known, would be interpreted as the proof the legend was correct, and do incalculable damage to scientific inquiry. He'd known the temper of his fellow man well enough to take no chances of this kind, to note the experience in his work, perhaps discuss it with a cautious friend or two but to add no further fuel to the raging fires of superstition that consumed men's minds and seared out possibility of rational thought so walk with care for superstition still is paramount despite the fact that some men know how to reach the stars to communicate this time the fields of force took a sere planet of barren blistered rock with a concept made it into the garden of man's dreams on one island they set up a crystalline structure a thing this much concession to the mind of man a tool to amplify and clarify their thought to reach the still rudimentary but nevertheless present centers of man's mind some certain man who might be ready to receive that thought placed in man's exploratory path the waiting was not long until man found it they had not led him to it through any intuitive change of course that he might suspect the explorers landed claimed it for earth and went away none among them felt any pull from the crystal tool upon the mountaintop the scientists came to make their measurements their busy minds were full of weight and size and the relationship of thing to thing Perhaps by now they too were so committed to the use of a thing to act upon another thing that they could not countenance the thought that thought might act upon a thing direct. They measured the crystal tool and recorded all their measurements, but found no meaning in its arches and spires. If any felt the impact of the thinking of the fields of force, he made no sign nor gave response indeed to preserve his status and reputation with his fellow scientists he'd not have dared admit a meaning that could not be measured with his instruments furthermore he'd be outcast if he but hinted that he thought their science was insufficient to capture everything of meaning there 
and to scientists most of all his status with his fellow man means more than truth at least to most but are there some to whom the truth is paramount yes for had not scientist after scientist through the years risked and lost his status through his questioning and then perhaps today there are such men so walk with care and wait the colonists came and as the scientist mind had been filled with measurements and weights and analysis the colonists minds were filled with cabins fields food surely among men somewhere there must be those not wholly captured on the one hand by formless superstition and on the other hand not bound within the tightly narrowed circle of weight and measurement surely man must know by now he could not capture the inner meaning of a thing through a description of its outer surface but as long as man got by and did great things by using physical things to act upon other physical things even in considering the universal energy as a thing he would look no further all right then a little nudge in another direction change the concept of the planet slightly so that one thing cannot act upon another no tool be used except this crystal set to act as intermediary let that happen and out from earth a man would come perhaps a dozen men perhaps a hundred ships a thousand men and all find their ships their tools were gone but some day there would come a man with a mind trained in the ability to conceive that there might be a road to truth outside the useless superstitions that sent man to groveling in the dust at each small breath that blew and also one who would not quit because he had no weather vane to test the direction of that breath and they would know when that mind came the first man came take away his tools and wait he did not fall to earth in awe nor freeze in fear his mind searched curiously enough the man was here shield off the planet from the rest that he would be undisturbed in his thought could he go further conceive the purpose of this lack of tools that it was by design and still not grovel in the dust they'd made their move could he respond he drew a circle in the sand joy ecstasy this time there might be surcease to the loneliness the two intelligences so unlike commune the very unlikeliness of each bringing to the other thought not yet considered and together going on to find to find now let him see the fallacy of such strict measurement now let him think to realize that measuring the balance of the status quo of things is only one relationship of an infinity of possibilities to realize that he can change his measurements to balance an equation designed to express the status quo or with equal truth at his desire he can change the status quo the shape of things to fit the equation he desires let him wander puzzled worrying on this let him work it out for himself for experience from long ago had taught them that if man was not ready to accept an alien thought he could not would not accept but by his own interpretation now at last at his readiness to make things fit the equation he conceives 
instead of making the equation fit the things as they are, bring him closer in the range of the amplifier, the crystal tool, that communication might be direct. He holds the key. He knows the lock. He finds the door. Show him the one small step remaining, the diagram, the design, the movement of the forces of his mind. Turn the key. Unlock the lock. Throw wide the door. The end of chapter 25 of Eight Keys to Eden by Mark Clifton. Read by Dale Grothman.